Hello, and welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing wonderfully. Tonight, we're here to talk about a special topic. We are here to talk about uh, revolutionary girl Utena references in other cartoons, anime, etc. Because that's just what we felt like doing. And I thought we would have a good fun time with it. And here to help us do that is our dear friend, Chelly. Hi, Chelly. How's it going? Hello, Panda. Doing well. Thank you. How are you guys? I'm doing great. I just got back from a big bucket of snow crabs, so I am doing awesome. Oh, I that want sounds that. so good. It was very, very jealous. Good. <laughs> uh, as is tradition with every guest, Chelly, the very first thing before we get to our topic that we must address is... What's your history with Revolutionary Girl Utena? <laughs> um, yes, which feels like a loaded question given that you know, but let's let's get into this lovely this story. The, I think this is the first time that I've actually asked someone that question on air and known the answer beforehand. So <laughs> this is fun. This is exciting. Yes. So, uh, Chelly Jill, um, origin story, lore unlocked. Let's talk. Let's start with the fact I am 31 years old. Um, I have been an Utina fan since I was 11, 12. The age is a little fuzzy for me. Um, my first experience with Revolutionary Girl Utina is going to come from this story that I will tell. So back in the day, yes, way back in the day, when Yahoo still had little browser games inside of their little lovely website, I would go play chess, pool, all types of things. I found a room called the Zebra Cove. The Zebra Cove was a chess room. And when I entered this room as 11 years old, I just wanted to play chess. So, so excited about chess. And, you know, anime was still kind of getting full swing here with Toonami and all that great stuff. And in that chat room were a bunch of people doing art, like live RP in the chat. And I was so enamored by this. And I watched for a few days before I made an account that referenced a character, Final Fantasy VIII, uh, Hyper Selfie. Eight was my handle. Nice. And um, I started joining in and then entered this woman, well, girl, I guess at the time, her name was revolutionary underscore girl 87. And I was fascinated with this character, a girl that wanted to become a prince that was just trying to save everybody and fought with a sword. What more could there be for a little gayby at heart that didn't know she was gay until 20 years later? But that's a different story for a different time. I was just so <laughs> excited. And I got to know this girl. And she said, well, I'm looking for my rose bride. And I was like, well, I like what I'm picking oh, up what that you're putting is, down. <laughs> that is quite the pickup line. I'm impressed. <laughs> so I picked up Anthony Rose Bright. I had no idea what I was doing or who it was. And she sent me a few pictures um, back when the internet was totally super slow. And uh, she told me about the show. And so I was like, cool. So I picked up the uh, VHS on eBay, the first four VHSs. And that's how I got into Utena was just some random girl online. Her and I became pen pals. We met in person. Like we've known each other for all these years now. Um, her name is Elizabeth. Shout out to Lola Liz if you're listening. But yeah, so I watched the first four VHS tapes, which is the Student Council arc. And then there's a big black hole because back then it was hard to get a hold of things. And I would download on uh, Kazaa, if you guys remember that. 
AMVs of Utena because I was just trying to get all of that content in my face. And then I saw the ending and I was very mad that I was Anthe Rosebride. How dare she stab Utena? What the? (laughs) So I was very upset. And I proceeded to go find um, the final DVD. So I only watched the first four VHS tapes and the final DVD and like one Black Rose episode in between there somehow that is uh that's very similar to the origin story of our previous guest from the last episode uh amato but who you probably know as dalban oh yeah man. he also uh only got to see basically stu- a, a little smattering of student council arc and then like w- once he was able to get his hands on that like the last arc of the show yeah yeah that's exactly right that and wow dalvin that's like forum royalty to me <laughs> i joined the forum when i was probably like 15 or 17 years old there's a lot there's a lot there but um yeah, goodness. I finally, when I was older, maybe like 17, 18 years old, I've got a hold of the rest of the show. And let me say that when you're 12 years old watching Utena and you admire her and you like emulate your entire life off of her, but don't really know the rest of the premise or concept of the show, it's not a great idea. But I, when I watched it as an adult, I was like, oh, wait, I fucked up. <laughs> this was not, <laughs> this was not great. But yeah, it was it was very formative for me. I learned a lot. The community, you know, Vana and Yasha, critical to me developing into the person that I am today. So yeah, that's my origin story. That is, uh, it's so delightful. Like I, I knew that there were like there were so many different like Yahoo message board interact like places where you could interact with other people, and I my parents raised me to be very afraid of talking to strangers on the internet unless it was like within a pre-approved space which for me meant neopets but (laughs) i never i never joined any like aim chat groups or whatever and i'm i'm very delighted by the fact that yahoo chess was your intro (laughs) point for revolutionary girl utana yes i think that's um my most interesting characteristic. I was about to say, I can't believe that you actually, like, I mean, all of our parents told us that, but I can't believe that you actually listened. <laughs> I, the problem was, is that it was a long time before I realized that my dad did not, he was not as good with technology as he liked to pretend to be. <laughs> and so, like, there was a while where I was, like, I was very afraid of what he, like, if he could like find my because i didn't know about like deleting your internet history until like (laughs) i was at least 15 and i was just a very uh a very anxious child Mm. (laughs) it took a while before i realized that i could get around the precautions that my parents had set before me there were there were a lot of expectations on my sister and I as uh, my parents' only children and both being girls. But our other customary question for new guests is, who's your favorite character? Um, my favorite character is Anthe. <laughs> I could have guessed that. Why don't you tell us why? Uh, sure. So as i mentioned in my origin story this is obviously like full spoilers like if you're (laughs) if you're listening to the show at this point like if this is your first episode sorry you should probably go back but like (laughs) we are we're full spoilers at this point 
Yeah. So like, as I mentioned in my origin story, I emulated my life off of Uten. I just wanted to be like her. And so if you would have asked me this question, maybe like five, 10 years ago, I wouldn't say Utena. But as I've grown, I've learned to, and, and worked in, in such various industries, I've learned the power and like majestic energy that is Anthe. I love Anthe as a character because to me, she is the revolutionary girl. You know, she's the one that Absolutely. had the, the hardest, biggest hurdles to overcome. And, you know, the, with the finale of the show, it was so powerful. You know, as a kid, when you watch it, you were confused and you didn't understand why you didn't get the happy ending you expected. Um, and you thought it was a sad ending, right? Like I thought, like I felt robbed from the show and I didn't understand why I, I felt so betrayed. Um, but then as I aged with the show, like I still loved it, but I didn't understand why, right? And then aging with the show and watching it again and seeing Anthe in that light of like coming from trauma and overcoming that trauma, well, in, in a bad way at first, right? Like kind of harnessing her inner like bad energy yeah. <laughs> to, to survive where she was, but then turning that around and saying like, you know what? I don't need this. I don't have to be like this and there's better things out there for me. So I'm out. Like that's so powerful. Um so yeah, I, I stand Anthe. I I also subscribe to the she's done nothing ever wrong and nothing <laughs> wrong ever club. Though that's totally not true, but that's you know, in my heart, that's how I feel. Anthe Hememia has never done anything wrong in her life. We know this and we love her. And I'm of the opinion that like Anthe is a goddess and Nanami is the queen of the earth. So like that's my religious belief system. <laughs> I can drink to that, bud. Like, Nanami is like the Pope to Anthe, if you ask me. Like, I love <laughs> I love Nanami as a character because she's really just Anthe, but not as many cycles into her shit as Anthe was. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely love that. <laughs> so, like, if I treat her like she's the queen of everything, just as, like, my, my pathway to Anthe, like, that's, yeah, so. <laughs> so we're here to talk about revolutionary girl utsuna references in other things because it's a common way of getting into utsuna like nowadays probably i would say within the last like 10 years especially utsuna is heavily referenced in uh a lot like even <laughs> ikuhara's other works but also like other comics and video games and web comics and western animation and i just thought it would be fun to talk about all of them and chelly i am so thankful that you have you've gathered together these visual representations of references and so let's let's just talk about them so some of these we're gonna have more to talk about than others because like some of these things we just haven't seen so we don't really like there's not much for us to say about a thing that we haven't seen. And I guess we should say uh, spoilers probably for any title that we're going to to talk about, because I imagine that you don't really pull out the Utena reference until you've until shit has hit the fan. <laughs> so we're going off of the TV tropes page for referenced by Revolutionary Girl Utena. And to quote the TV Tropes page, these are works that have made a shout out to Revolutionary Girl Usna in some form or another. So under the anime and manga category, that's where we're going to start. The first one is Danganronpa 3. Do either of you have any, do either of you like Danganronpa? I 
am aware of it, but I'm not like I wouldn't consider myself a fan necessarily. It definitely exists. <laughs> Um, I think I fall into that category as well. I'm aware that it is a show and a game. Yes. It's like a like a visual novel series and a, also there's like a couple of anime adaptations. Yeah, like it, it's interesting. Or as I prefer to call it, dang it grandpa. <laughs> there's so many fucking names. It's like the Benedict Cumberbatch of, of anime where you just like everyone's it's true. <laughs> It's very it's, true. It's interesting and it's chock full of things that are references and also things that are obvious. Like it's a game about that simultaneously about like, like sort of like the tropes that people use in anime and in pop culture of Japan. And also how would you actually put those into a real life onto a real life person that's kind of fucked up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it doesn't surprise me that they have a couple in there. I just want to comment on the picture that was selected for this one. Yes, I've seen this picture before. I remember when this aired and people were passing around these pictures. It is, for for the listeners, it is a character sitting on the hood of a car very much in it it is unmistakably in the pose that Akio is in when he is on the hood of his fuckmobile. <laughs> the character is named Togami and in this in this it's Danganronpa 3 episode 7 and Togami is in the fantasy sequence of a character named I'm going to say Toko because I don't know these characters, so I'm going to just have to make a, a guess at people's pronunciation. But uh, in a fantasy scene imagined by a character called Toko, Togami is sitting on the hood of a moving car in the exact position used in the Akio car repeated stock footage. First of all, whoever the character is, I don't know anything about this show or game. But whoever the character is that is imagining someone as Akio on the hood of a car, please get help. Get therapy. You yes. need so much help. Oh yes. my goodness. And if uh, you're exuding that energy onto someone, I am going to make a lot of assumptions about how you feel about this person. So it's funny because the character on top of the car is like the super rich rich kid kind of guy. Mm, that makes and sense. And the character doing the imagining. Do you know what a Yandere is? Oh yeah, yeah. It's that's the, her whole gimmick is that she's kind of that sort of character. Well, this tracks, I think. If you're gonna yandere someone, I guess Akio's the one to shank. She's <laughs> like the. I mean, yandere is probably the little mean here, but like Toko is kind of unstable, and it does not. It, it totally tracks for me that she thinks this is a good thing. Oh God. <laughs> It's just, when I saw that that was the first thing referenced, I was like, some Akio stand in this. <laughs> but yeah, you don't, of the the things that are referenced from Usuna, you don't really see a lot of referencing Akio. You mostly see Usuna <laughs> and Anthony. Uh That's because if we emulated Akio, it would feel too much like real life these days. Bazing! Ha-cha-cha! <laughs> also because everyone is are there too, too, too much of cowards to do the best scene, which is Akio on the car, because it's amazing, just aesthetically speaking? Oh, God. It's just so, it's so fucking, like, I don't know what it's it is. It's so about. much. It's so much. I just, 
like his energy is too much and i work with too many people in in the industry that act just like him so seeing this image is just like <laughs> seeing anyone reference akio causes psychic damage <laughs> that's so, yes that's exactly it including you vana <laughs> all right so do we do we have any other thoughts about this first one before we move on i want yeah. it to go away <laughs> all right we can move on and make it go away in a series called guilty crown is this a this is not in chelly's doc but it is next on the list it's a it's lower down yes it's lower down oh maybe it is and i just can't yeah you need to see it it's really badass looking Okay, I'm scrolling down to the bottom of the dock. I should have put them in order. My apologies. That's okay. I don't know what Guilty Crown is, but Cass probably knows. But based on this yeah, picture, actually, I don't want to watch it. yeah, doesn't it? I want to know a lot after seeing this image. Yes, I I have found the image. Oh my god, the ability literally called Power of the King, which is about as close as you get to the Sword of Dios <laughs> without just being the Sword of Dios. All right, so Guilty Crown is a, it's an anime and it's about, I, I don't care what it's about, actually. Um, I, I thought I thought for a second about going into the, the like description, but I don't really feel like we need to, I don't really feel like we need to go in depth about every series that Mm. uh is referenced here but it is an anime and there is this image that is of very clearly someone pulling a weapon out of someone else in the utina fashion it's like it's very clearly like utina dipping anthe and pulling the sword out of her chest like Mm -hmm. there's there's no questioning that this is an utina reference and it looks pretty cool. So for you Guilty Crown fans out there, you probably already knew this because this anime came out in like 2011. Also, apparently they, like him doing this, like the main characters doing this is just like the, the show's entire gimmick. Okay. Hmm. Well, that's fun. That's neat. Yeah. Mo- moving on to the next one. Oh boy. <laughs> Mawaru Penguin Drum. There are a lot of bullet points underneath this, and we have not, mm-hmm. we have not done Moaru Penguin Drum yet. So I may not, I may not read the spoiler ones for this, just because we have not gotten to it yet. But there are at least three bullet points that don't have a spoiler tag in them. So first, the scene where the possessed Himari places her hand on Kanba is a near shot-for-shot remake of the sword pulling scene from Utna. Moar Prangadrum was obviously uh, Ikuhara's series that he did after Utna, and it was like it was like ten years, huh? Goodness, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like because Utna ended in like nineteen ninety nine, and then when did Penguin Drum come out? Twenty eleven. So it yeah, yeah, it was ten years. It's a a big chunk of time. Ikuni, what were you up to? I would like to know. Figuring out what his bingo card was going to be for all the rest of his shows. Yeah, definitely. But um, I've seen some of Penguin Drum and I like it so far. <laughs> we've, had, we've had guests that like it and I know people in the fandom that don't. So I'm interested to see how that pans out. I, I like the first half of it. <laughs> That's what Abby says too. Abby knows what she's talking about. <laughs> 
<laughs> the music is all bops. Like, oh god, the music is so good. The music is really good. I can confirm this. I, I will. I will say the first half of it's really good. The last half, it just feels like they dropped what they were trying to do. But you know, everyone's experience, your mileage may vary. I hope you guys enjoy. It is. It is an experience. We'll put it at that. <laughs> Also, two characters in the opening bear resemblance to Juri and Utena, right down to the black and white color scheme from her movie clothes. Hmm. And the scene in the opening where the lyrics mention the end of the world is similar to the student council elevator egg speech stock scene. And the scenes that follow involve the council members discussing end of the world's plans. So that's that's the that's the extent that Ikuni is referencing himself in Penguin Drum. And in the doc, I did include one picture. There's a lot of the yes. Like- I remember seeing this picture actually because isn't this like one of the characters is like dreaming about this other character? Yeah, and like puts them into this princely. Vibe. Yeah, it, it it bears a lot of resemblance to like Utena dressed as a prince in the opening sequence of was it really such a good idea? And like it's got the little frame around it. It was not really such a good idea. It's <laughs> not wear penguin drum. <laughs> if you're doing this to a person in your head, maybe stop. <laughs> yeah, that's that's our advice for tonight. Uh, also, there is a character that does the scary shiny glasses, and the way that they stand is uh, similar to Anthe and her mannerisms, which Anthe basically, she didn't invent the scary shiny glasses, but she perfected it. I'm really curious what the first instance of that is. I'll have to look that up. Um, I will try to make note of it whenever we get to Penguin Drum. I imagine it's what we're doing next after we can finally get through the rest of Yuri Kuma. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The the next reference is in episode nine of Puella Magi Modica Magica. Uh, there is a shadow play that references the Shadow Girls. And is this what you have? Um, I a picture don't... for or let's see. I don't think so. I had a picture okay. in there. I just pulled up the image, and okay, yeah, I can see definitely how this is like visually similar to Utena. it's got there's kyoko and sayaka and they are very briefly in like the intro pose where anthe and Utena are or, well they're not it's in the pose but like i remember in modica magicast geo and yasha's other podcast i remember when this happened and they called this out as an Utena reference for sure. There's a bit with Kyoko and I guess Modica with like shadow puppet type. It's it's design. one of those things where it's like you look at it and you immediately think even if they weren't intentionally consciously trying to do Utena, this is obviously the kind of thing that exists in a world after Utena. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. And you've seen Modica, haven't you, Chelly? Oh yeah, I just finished my second watch recently. <laughs> Did these occur to you as Utena references when you watched? So I, I kind of, fall, I'm following where Alice is here. It's very much like Utena redefined the genre as a whole. So like, to me, a lot of magical girl shows post Utena, post Sailor Moon, like they're all just references, ultimately. 
Yeah, definitely. So for me, yes, like when I was watching these scenes, it was like, this feels familiar to me. If I had seen them outside of the context of Utena, I wouldn't have been like, that's, that's Utena right now. Except for definitely the shadow fight. I was like, oh yeah, that's that's very familiar. Yeah. But for, for me, a lot of Madoka is... Well, it, it itself is very subversive to the genre too, which it, it feels kind of like there's these touch points over the genre itself of Magical Girl. And like Utena is one of them. And I think Madoka is another powerful one. And there's just direct Not ties. Sure. Yeah. Madoka kind of, it does things that a bunch of Magical Girl shows do. It just decides to go, a lot of Magical Girl shows before Madoka go up to the edge of, okay, we're not going to follow this beyond this point. And it kind of revolutionizes things without going, but but what if we go like five feet after this point? But would you say they went deeper? <laughs> Remember how much you hated that, Panda? I do, and I still do. <laughs> <laughs> That's part. Deeper. Yeah, th- there is no question that Monica would not exist without Utena, like mm. 100%. In the same way that Utena took things that you find in a lot of shoujo manga and magical girl shows is like what if we just like keep going and we don't stop at this point it's Mm. they kind of do the same thing so it's not really surprising that they would have this shared aesthetic points Mm. yeah definitely Uh, the next bullet point underneath madoka is a series called shirokuma cafe and i think that i've I think that I've heard of this. It's about a. Oh, I've heard of this one. It's so cute. It's, it's about a polar bear and a panda, and they work in a cafe, I guess. <laughs> and it is very cute. I've seen gifs of it, and there is a scene that uh, involves the panda fantasizing about uh, another character's identity, who he thinks is a girl. And the fantasy sequence is done in the style of the revolutionary girl Utna, like shadow puppet design. And when you look at it, like there's no if, ands, or buts. Like it's got like the the like decorative frame around it and the the way that the character is drawn in silhouette with like colored hair and clothing is very very unmistakably Utna. Incredibly on the nose. I hmm. did not know that this reference was in this show and it does kind of make me want to watch this show more because mm-hmm. I remember several years ago, probably it, it came out in 2012. I probably heard about it in like 2013 and I remember seeing gifts of it on Tumblr to slightly date this story and I remember wanting to watch it and never getting around to it and it looks cute. And the next bullet point is about a series called Shitsurakuen. And I have never heard of this, but apparently its plot seems to be derived from Utna. It's about a transfer student who dreams of becoming a knight. And the students, the male students play a virtual reality type game where they use girls as weapons in battle and treat them as commodities. And once she sees one of the girls being abused, she steps in and becomes the first female participant in the game. So I can definitely see how this was inspired by Utena from that description. I had never heard of this. Had either of you? That, no, I'm, I'm literally looking out because this is, sounds kind of wild. 
The name of the series translates literally to Paradise Lost. Oh, uh, come on. Uh, they can't do that to me. <laughs> I was thinking this seems like Alice Hook, Line, and Sinker. <laughs> I feel targeted, like laser, laser focused targeted. Come on. <laughs> There's a student council. Yeah, this, this is definitely. This also came out in like 2009 and ended in 2011. So. This is like Prime being influenced by Oots in the Time, I would imagine. Alice, are you going to check this out? I might have to. I might have to, because that looks really good. I feel like you should check it out for the podcast and then report <laughs> back to me. You've been given homework. <laughs> not the first time. That's true. We thought having to read Damien again. Well, you wanted to read Damien again. It's true. And I, apparently, I apparently enjoyed it the most of all the people <laughs> on that episode. My my favorite bullet point is underneath this, and it is episode 93 of the Pokemon Sun and Moon anime, Ash's School. If you're somehow in the English-speaking anime fandom and not familiar, Ash is the main character of <laughs> Pokemon. But uh, Ash's School does a school play, and uh, the characters Lily and Mallow dress as princess knight and anthe it's it's very uh because princess knight is very obviously like a thing that influenced uchina's design it's very like snake eating its own tail in terms of references but i remember seeing this when it came out i didn't i didn't keep up with the sun moon anime but it was all over tumblr and twitter and i basically lost my entire gourd because <laughs> i I really liked the uh, Pokemon Sun game and the characters in particular. And Mallow is like, I had Mallow as my icon on Tumblr for several months. And to see her and Lily doing the, like, it was very clearly influenced by the Utena movie, the dance scene that they do. It's very cute. And even if you don't, if you just like Utena and have heard of Pokemon, you should at least like look up the clip of it on YouTube because it is so cute and I love it so much. Also, like the like Sun and Moon anime is just good. Yeah, I have to say, like I haven't seen uh, Pokemon since the first the first iteration of it, but this mm -hmm. picture, like I really adore what they did with the animation for it. It's so, it's not even like a haha Utena. It is like, we took Utena frames and then oh, made them Pokemon. Like, and it's, it's very, so very good. well done. Um, if I was a Pokemon fan seeing this, I probably would have keeled over. It's it's adorable. I really love it. I agree with Panda. You should at least go look it up. It's so cute. I definitely shared gifts of it on the podcast Twitter account because like, oh, it's so fucking cute. <laughs> Um, underneath that is Alice. The, you and I are familiar with this. Review Starlight has many homages to Utena, uh, specifically mostly visual homage. I'm, okay, you're you're underselling it. Literally, the whole thing is just what if Utena, but it was like a play. But yeah, also, <laughs> just the same story. It it's very similar to Utena, and I believe it's because Tomohiro Furukawa, who like created uh, or maybe not created, directed the Review Starlight anime. Which Review Starlight, for those of you who don't know, was a it's like a stage play 
series that was made into an anime and also a gotcha game and it's heavily influenced by uh like takarazuka type theater and whatnot and tomohiro furukawa worked with ikahara on penguin drum and yurikuma so and has been considered a protege of ikahara so it makes a lot of sense that in his first like I don't know if this is like his directorial debut, but in like a series that he made, it makes a lot of sense that he would reference Ikuhara's, I would say, arguably biggest series. Oh, I'll fight whoever says otherwise. It's not just a reference. Like, first off, Review Star is really good. I highly recommend it. It's like Utsuna if Utsuna was a fever dream. It's not as cerebral as Utsuna. Yeah, it's but it's weirder because there's a talking giraffe. I feel like enough of an enjoyable experience if you've seen Utsuna to like check out Review Starlight because it is very similar. But instead of duels, they have like song battles that are also kind of duels. They're all beautifully animated. And also, Akio, instead of Akio, it's a talking giraffe. Yes, and I feel like this is a huge improvement on the part <laughs> of Starlight. Mm, I know people that would disagree. <laughs> but yeah, it's Review Starlight is really fun and I really enjoyed it. It's got a lot of like cute sapphic energy and like the outfits are gorgeous. Yeah, the the costume design is really good for all of the characters and or the character design is good for everyone and it's just like, I don't know, it's definitely not as deep as Utena in terms of like things that it is trying to say, but like, it's fun and it's cute and I like to see the girls looking like they're gonna kiss each other at any given moment. <laughs> it's it's a lot less, like where Utena takes time to really sort of, na- like, I say this with love, Utena likes to navel gaze sometimes and does so very productively. For sure. Or like is a very similar a very almost identical kind of structure of story but what if instead of the sort of cerebral like long pause scenes we get more of a constantly overly emotional all the time hmm. which ends up being really good honestly yeah i like it a lot it's got it's got a really big cast of characters so everybody can like find their niche waifu that they love and <laughs> It's just, it's delightful. I definitely, if you like Utena, I would check out Review Starlight. If you don't like it by the first episode, then like, you know, that's fine. Like, it's not for everyone, but I think that it's very cute and fun to watch. So the next one's like pretty, I feel like everyone knows this, but Steven Universe, it's all over. Like, yeah, uh, we can combine because this is like the, the tropes are sort of listed in alphabetical order by topic and so it lists like the steven universe comics published by boom studios before it mentions steven universe under western animation but i feel like we can probably just combine these two sections uh before we start chelly have you seen steven universe no i'm a pleb Oh, well, I feel like you would like it if you watched it. The With the way that you devoured She-Ra, I really think that you could get into some Stevie universe. I cannot confirm nor deny until we get to the She-Ra section that I devoured <laughs> She-Ra. And it changed my life, and that's a different story. But um, for Steven Universe, there's 
Utena references out the wazoo. Creator Rebecca Sugar is a a self admitted fan of the anime, and uh, so is much so was much of the crew on the show. I've heard her talk about Utena on podcasts before, and friend of a friend of the show. I guess since he's my friend, we can call this friend of the show. But Seamus, who works for Den of Geek, got to interview uh, Rebecca Sugar several years ago and was able to ask her about Revolutionary Girl Usna. So it is waiting for the motorcycle to go by. Pretty well established that Rebecca Sugar loves Revolutionary Girl Usna and has quite a big history with it. And we've said since the beginning, if anyone has an in someone get us in contact with rebecca sugar someone allow me to have her on my podcast please i would literally die but there are several episodes that reference revolutionary girl utina uh most notably by a lot of people is the early episode steven the sword fighter which features shot for shot recreations of some of utina's uh like sword fighting scenes and like her her jumps and flips and slides and dodges didn't you use that to like introduce utana to me i think i did or at the very least like that was part of like in the beginning i was like hey you've seen some of steven universe did you know that this references utana and you were like oh shit what's an utana exactly A dangerous question. The swordsmanship moves are done by Pearl, who is very tied to Utsuna sort of thematically. She has pink hair and is proficient with swords. In another episode, Lion 2, the movie, probably my favorite episode of, uh, or no, my favorite episode of Steven Universe is probably Lion 3, straight to DVD. But Lion 2, the movie, features the first appearance of a sword owned by Steven's mother, Rose, and the hilt of the sword emerges in a burst of dazzling light from the the character Lion's forehead, and the way that they pull the sword out is very much reminiscent of Usna, and Steven and his friend Connie use the sword to defend themselves in battle. The episode Sworn to the Sword uh, is another Pearl episode that features Utsuna-esque sword fights. Your Mother and Mine features a shadow play scene that very much is reminiscent of Utsuna. If you you see any of the the screenshots, uh, Pink Diamond does the uh, the noble woman's laugh that is often attributed to Nanami and. There is a character called Mega Pearl in the sequel series Steven Universe Future that is essentially just a mishmash of Utna and Anthe's designs, which is very clearly demonstrated in the doc that uh, Chelly has provided for us. She's got like the the pauldrons on the shoulders and like the the Anthe hair rolls. It's very much like unmistakably Utna inspired and I remember when I watched this episode live and practically screamed because that was that is like that's an Utna reference baby <laughs> that's it's right their, there that's their child as far as yeah. I know yes basically like th- I would say not in not in personality but to be honest this character I, I don't know if you even know anything about Steven Universe Chelly but like characters mm. can fuse to create other characters who are 
it's both of the characters that fused at the same time, but also like a new entity created from the combination of the two. So like hmm. you don't really get to see this character, Mega Pearl's personality very much. She's mostly just in a couple of scenes, but the visual resemblance is it's unmistakable. She's even got like a little crown that is like a, a little very simplified version of Anthe's crown. And I love it. It's great. It is pretty good. I think that that finishes up Utena in Steven Universe. But in Scott Pilgrim, this one I'm pretty excited about. Uh, the next bullet point in Scott Pilgrim, the power of love and the power of understanding take the form of swords that Scott pulls from his chest. It's interesting that this is the only listed reference to Revolutionary Girl Utena and Scott Pilgrim because... I also, I read Scott Pilgrim recently, not for the first time, but I reread it recently. And there is a scene in which a character literally has a Revolutionary Girl Usna poster on her wall in her dorm room. So like, it's, it's unmistakable. And also like, are other of you very familiar with Scott Pilgrim? No. I read it a long time ago and I'm not sure if I actually finished it or not. Okay, well, it does involve the main character having to fight off his desired girlfriend's league of evil exes to in order to, like, like I guess, win the right to date her or whatever. It's not necessarily sp- spelled out that way in the uh, in the comic, but like the way like the way that he has to go through all of these evil exes is very reminiscent thematically of going through the student council to be uh i have in the past called scott pilgrim utina for canadians and i feel like it's i feel like that's very true and it was especially uh, there was also i remember there's a scene in like one of the last volumes of scott pilgrim where you see like you see a structure and it's like upside down and like silhouetted and it kind of looks like the castle where eternity dwells. I So I just, I feel like th- this is a series that people don't necessarily think of when they think of Utena references, but like it's chock full of them. And it's very clear that the artist that Scott I- Scott Pilgrim guy has a, has a good taste. Remember his name. Mr. Scott Pilgrim was very clearly re- influenced by Utena before making this. And also most like other shonen anime that features having to defeat like a big group of bad guys leading up to like the big bad guy who also the, the big bad guy in Scott Pilgrim is quite like Akio in, in many ways. So I definitely recommend Scott Pilgrim the comic to- People who like Utena, but I would say just keep in mind that some of the things about Scott Pilgrim have not aged well since Scott Pilgrim came out, uh, especially in terms of like queer stuff. But I still I, I had quite a bit of fun rereading Scott Pilgrim earlier this year. The next bullet point is Danganronpa again. And apparently the dialogue from the end of the first game talks about how if there are no roads left to the outside world, they'll build new ones. That's Utena now. Which is what Utena and Anthe say to each other in the end of the Utena movie. And uh, there's like some spoiler stuff for Danganronpa that goes into more of like the comparison. But basically like the, the outside world means a thing 
in Danganronpa, and it's very, very similar to Utsuna. That that's all I got because we don't we don't care about Danganronpa. <laughs> uh, in in a game called Sidecard Friends Quest, the flavor text of the Rose Ring of Friend Quest is similar to the Revolutionary Girl Utsuna Rose Signet Rings. And it says it grants you the power to bring the world revolution. Pretty cut and dry comparison there. I do have a, a video game that references Uthana, and I did not know this until after I started yes, watching we've, it. Yes, we've mentioned this uh, on the show before, I think, that Alice, go ahead. Christine Love, who did, who is one of my favorite game developers of all time. Has had pink hair at one point. That's an yeah, interesting Yeah, she has pink hair now. I everyone who has ever had pink hair, I hope you know that was a Newton reference. Whether you had long hair or short hair, that was a Newton reference. And the sort of like after she kind of like got into people's radars with a game called Digital Love Story, she made a game called that was that's that's for free called Don't Take It Personally, Babe. It just ain't your story. Twenty eleven, hmm. where you are you play as it's a visual novel where you play as a teacher who is a little behind the times and down in his luck. And you, as part of this school's kind of like giving kids tech, they have a back door where you can literally spy on them in class. So you know what they're doing, like when they're not paying attention to you. And at one point you can actually see one of the characters who is a, um, a young lesbian girl with pink hair, who's, status on her little social media page is um it's it's that line with something rather in style from the um it's from the opening sequence right we'll live our lives heroically and with style yes it's that it's literally that i had no idea what that meant and then i watched uthana with you and somewhere in the first few episodes i realized oh my god it's just kindle from don't take it personally (laughs) that's what she's referencing it's a whole thing her whole fucking character is just a big utana joke i love that it's so good very mad (laughs) under web comics i am not familiar with a a a web comic called and shine heaven now i know about it okay alice do you want to do you want to take the reins on this one Okay, so in Shine Heaven Now, it, it, it's old. As most web comics are. <laughs> yeah, it finished like nine years ago. So it's it's originally a like a Helsing fan comic. Oh! That gets wildly out, out of control. I read Helsing when I was far too young to be reading Helsing. <laughs> it's the only way to read it, frankly. I was a child obsessed with vampires. Same. <laughs> it like many comics of its era um it improves over time but it like it was like 2003 to like 2011 so pretty long time um i know about it kind of tangentially i don't remember all that's in it because i never actually finished it but i do know that anthe is in it just because just she is yeah, uh, it, the the little section here says that Anthe plays a key role in what is called the cursed storyline of And Shine Heaven Now, and this a lot of this is not going to mean anything if you haven't read Helsing, so sorry in advance, but I'm just going to read this as it is written here. Uh, it turns out that Anthe is the witch Iscariot is hunting, but she befriends 
Timothy, who I assume is a character from the webcomic, before they figure that out. And she intervenes when Iscariot and STN-J come to blows over the conflict of interest, choosing Timothy as her new prince and granting him the power of Dios. Not only is it revealed that Utina's spirit is the new power of Dios, the sword itself is somehow passed on to Timothy, which A, gives him gender identity issues, and B, enables him to pass the power of Dios onto Integra when she needs it the most. Yeah, this definitely sounds like a, a webcomic from the 2000s. <laughs> I like I have described it before uh, as um, Shine Heaven Now is... Someone in this audience is going to get this. So, at least one person. It's it's like, what if Dan Shive, who does El Guna Shive, instead of working on his art and storytelling, had decided to do a fan comic about Helsing and just never passed about 2008? This means nothing to me, but I I believe that it means something to literally one person listening to this podcast. One person, that one person is worth it because they are horrified now. If you are listening to this and you are that one person, congratulations. <laughs> My one it's commentary on this is I love that Anthe is the key role to the cursed storyline because, <laughs> well, as best girl and goddess. If the shoe fits. <laughs> yeah. I really hope that it's actually called the curse story storyline. Like that's it looks just like, like it is. Oh my god! Of course it is. <laughs> In Western animation, under Steven Universe, is the the next bullet point is a series that is very near and dear to my heart. It's called OKKO. OK Let's be heroes. And if you're not familiar with OKKO, OK it was a Cartoon Network show, and it is. If Steven Universe is Western animation's love letter to magical girls and shoujo anime, OKKO is Western animation's love letter to shonen anime. And it makes sense to draw that comparison because OKKO was created by Ian Jones Quartz, who is the longtime partner of Rebecca Sugar, a creator of Steven Universe. And oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. Neat. Yeah. Uh, OKKO is absolutely fantastic. It is over now, so you can watch all of it. It was kind of unfortunately canceled before its time, but they were able to, they were given enough notice that it was being canceled that they were able to like write a, an ending that fulfilled like all of the stuff that, or at least most of the stuff that they have been setting up. I highly recommend it, but in the episode uh, second first date, two characters uh, have a a fight scene and they have like roses on their lapels. And I remember watching this episode when it came out and freaking the fuck out. Like that is an Utsuna reference. <laughs> And the the next bullet point is that I'm sorry to to speak this name on the podcast, but in Voltron Legendary Defender, uh, one of the storyboard artists drew a sketch of uh, Pidge and Allura as Utena and Anthe, and I I love this. I'm very supportive of this. I have only seen literally one season of Voltron Legendary Defender, but Pidge and Alora were my, basically my two favorite characters. So mm -hmm. I'm 
I'm very, very pro the idea of drawing them as Utsuna and Anthe. It would have been a better show. It would have been a much better show. And now, now we get to She-Ra, Princesses of Power. Shelly, do you want to talk about She-Ra? Oh, I would love to talk about She-Ra. Thank you so please, much. Please feel free, if you would like to, to talk about your personal connection with She-Ra while we also do this. Because <laughs> like, You don't have to. You don't have to share anything you don't want to. But, like, you know, if the spirit moves you. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, so She-Ra came out. Um, I had no clue what it was. And then Twitter, like, exploded. Had you, real quick, were you at all familiar with She-Ra? Like, were you, were you aware of Key-Man and the fact that She-Ra was, like, related mm. to that? I was aware of the old show that existed. And I was okay. aware that they were remaking it. And that was the extent of my knowledge. Okay. Okay. Zero, zero outside that. Okay. Then in May... The final episode of She-Ra aired and Twitter exploded. It yes. blew up. I literally screamed in real life. <laughs> my, my Twitter feed became the scene by scene recreation of the finale of Utena. Again, like spoilers, She-Ra, if you're, if you're here. Yeah, sorry. Um, sorry. If you have not seen She-Ra, go watch She-Ra, please. Go do that. If you're a fan of Utsuna, you'll be a fan of She-Ra. And if you don't like She-Ra, then well, like, I, I'm sorry that you had this experience. But like, <laughs> but but if you like Utsuna, I feel like you will like She-Ra. And there is a scene in the finale that is beat for beat, like, from the finale of Utsuna. And not, like, kind of beat for beat, but, like, literally beat for beat. Like, so literally that I was actively taking screenshots, like, <laughs> as it happened, because I was flipping the fuck out. So, so I, I definitely understand that, like, the differences that these two shows have are much that, like, Shira has a lot more, like, lightheartedness to it. It's definitely for a younger audience. There oh, yeah. is a lot of trauma and there is a lot of bad, like, you know, people that are bad that turn good and good that turn bad and stuff like that, too. Um, so Utsuna is definitely darker and more sinister versus Shira, which is a little bit more lighthearted. So, like, if you're into the darker vibes, it may not be for you. But if you appreciate characters going through some goddamn trauma, let's talk about Shira because holy shit, those girls have been through some shit. That being said, when I saw Twitter explode and Panda combust multiple times, <laughs> um, I was like, I'll just put it on in the background. And then three days later, I finished the show. You finished She-Ra at an alarming pace. <laughs> I remember when you said that you finished it, it was like, it, I felt like you had literally, and because you had literally just started, <laughs> you were like, oh, by the way, I'm finished with She-Ra. And granted, like, it is very bingeable. Like the a mm. couple of seasons are like only half a season's length. Mm. But like, yeah, it was it was pretty impressive. As soon as you hit season four, there's no stopping. Like, yeah. I think the first three are setting up the story, and four and five just like beat you with a baseball bat instead of hitting a home run, and then it beats you over the fence. So like, four happens, and five just. And then five to me was where whoever the Utena fan is and that staff, they were like, come here, let me show you a thing about- We are pulling people. out all of the stops. This is what we are doing. Yes. So there's two specific scenes that are primarily referenced. I think there's a lot of the same energy between the characters, you know, the yeah. Utena and the parallels. Uh, and I think that the great thing that they did in this show was like split Utena and Anthe 
into two halves and then take those halves and put them together as two different people. Yes. Which is what makes the ending so powerful. So specifically the very end, the end where, you know, Utena is going to reach for Anthe's hand, the kind of role switch in this case, where the kind of more Anthe leaning character, Katra is reaching out to the Utena leaning character, Adora. And that to me broke, like broke me. Cause it was just like, you know, as I mentioned in my origin story, I felt betrayed by Utena getting stabbed and then, you know, dying or not dying at the end of it. And then mm-hmm. getting to see Shira was like, okay, but we healed those wounds. And like, this is the reverse story where, you know, like Anthe kind of comes into her own and saves Utena in this regard. It was very, very powerful. It's so good. And it's so beautiful. And I cried so much, so oh. much crying I did. I also cried so much. This show taught me what it meant to love yourself. I love, I love it so much. Like, you, you're worth more than what you'd give to other people. Oh, it's just, it fucks me up. The other scene that is notable is when season five Shira reappears in episode Save the Cat. Hashtag one of the best episodes. Oh, for sure. She does essentially a sword pull out of Katra. Same kind of like draping her over her arm. And there's very much the like, instead of grant me the power to bring the world revolution, it's like for the power of grace. Like our... Uh, on the honor of high school yeah so like there's definitely a lot of head nods and if you go through and the showrunner uh noelle actually hadn't like she was aware of utina but she didn't see or know utina but most of her supporting staff were like obsessed yes um and she was just like ah yes this seems like good gay content let's do that which is wild considering that like during her wedding to her partner Molly Ostertag they had swords at their wedding because the the, the aura of sword lesbian is so powerful that it transcends <laughs> Utena. Oh it's yes. So uh, Shira has a very special place in my heart. It changed my entire world and the only reason I watched it was because of the Utena reference. I did not think I would care about it as much as I did. And uh, here we are. It's just, it's so good. Like, I like the old She-Ra cartoon. And I'm like, I'm a little more of a type of person that is into, like, old corny cartoons. But I was like, I was just hype for a new She-Ra cartoon. And the way that this show, like, totally took the bones of things that were established in the original like 80s version of she-ra and like made them into a more like cohesive plot driven emotional show is just it's absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Huh, i should really watch past the first season yes yes Yes! (laughs) i've been saying this to you for years alice but now is the time i just i will say like the pacing of season two and three can be rough for people and that's like you're so valid if you can just throw one on a week and get through those two fair but i swear to you when you get to season four you will probably power binge the rest of it do not start it if you have work the next day that's what i did and i was up until 30 minutes before my meeting with my first client I I could probably do it. I mean, I watched I I watched the almost the entirety of Gundam Wing in like four days because Oof. I was which is like fifty episodes because I was modeling and I only watched when I was putting together models. So like I could probably handle the pace. <laughs> the 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 thing I'd like to say before we move on from Shira is yes, um, of course. I am at Chelly Jill. Please talk to me about Shira. I'm desperate. <laughs> yeah, I um. 
for reasons uh, related to another podcast that if you will only get if you are uh, a deep cut panda podcast listener, uh, I made a list of my 10 favorite fictional cats and Catra is at the top of this list. Oh my god, I love this. <laughs> but yeah, She-Ra rules and I definitely recommend She-Ra to people who like Uchina. Like if you've been on the fence about it, it's not perfect, but damn, is it good. And please, dear God, talk to me about it. And please, dear God, at Chelly Gell about it <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> the The last thing that is noted on this wiki page, and we have a couple others to talk about that are not necessarily listed on here, but um, is one of my new favorite shows is called The Owl House. Are either of you very familiar with this at all? Mm-mm. I have not seen it. Um, people keep talking about it in all the Discord servers I'm in, and they all seem to like it. I think it's neat. Okay, well, I am commanding both of you to check out The Owl House because I think both of you will really like it. It is very cute. It's uh, For the listeners, this show was created by uh, one of the storyboard artists from gravity falls it has despite the fact that it takes place in a very different world from gravity falls gravity falls is like a a twin peaksian like small town with spooky stuff happening and this is very clearly set like the owl house is very clearly set in a fantasy world with like witches and magic and monsters and stuff like that but it is extremely good it has a very similar like feel and humor as gravity falls but without feeling like it doesn't feel derivative it just like you can see like the the strings there kind of similar to to review starlight and utna i would say in some ways uh you can just feel like the there's very clearly a line it's it's definitely in the same. You can tell it's like pe- the people making this show are new that show. Yeah, there's just a, there's a very direct line between these two, and I think that anyone who enjoyed Gravity Falls, uh, the Owl House, is definitely for you for sure. But it's very cute, and there is a scene where the protagonist is briefly seen reading a comic that is very obviously a volume of the Utena manga, and. When I watched this episode, I I I paused and I hollered at the screen that there's Utena, there she is, I see her right there on that book, and I was very excited about it. Oh, also, uh, the creator of the Owl House drew protagonist Luz and her main love interest in the Utena and Anthe costumes as part of like a charity stream, and I also uh. That rocked my entire world. I just want to comment on the fact that, like, for Western media, if I, I feel like Utena is a great way of like head nodding to your audience that these characters are gay. Like, yes, if the, if yes. the company, yes. your leadership company doesn't want you to be gay, and then you're like, mm, but here's these characters as Utena and Anthe. All yes. of us fans are like, mm, yes, I see you. Yes, it it is the like archetypal lesbian thing to reference like a serial killer calling card except it's gay (laughs) i mean mean, you're right forget ted cruz the zodiac killer what about utena and anthe is the gay marking card (laughs) okay now i want to take like 
I want to take Vana's Utena cards and just like leave them places. It's just like, but they're gay. That's like all calling all lesbians. <laughs> Be gay, do crimes. Leave behind Utena and Anthony cards. One of the references that is here in your doc, Chelly, is uh, to My Little Pony. Alice, do you do you remember the context behind this reference? Because I know that I've seen this episode, but I. I don't 100% remember, but I'm willing to look it up. There is a scene in um, season five called Scarebaster where all Fluttershy's friends, the Fluttershy being the, the shy yellow Pegasus, try to get her to enjoy their world's version of Halloween. And she's just not really, it's just not her thing. And they encourage her like, okay, like, but sure, but you're good at being a good host. So maybe like you could set up your own version of a party and we could see if, you know like you you can do that baby and she tries and fails and during the scene where her incredible her failed spooky uh party we get a bit of her house which has dangling from the ceiling little drawings that she has done they're just apparently always there of various anime horsified anime characters including <laughs> front and center tenju Uzuna. Uh, would you like to describe for the listeners all of the other characters that are present in this <laughs> There is the very, like, squished version of um, Ray from Evangelion. There is an incredibly good version of, oh my god, I just forgot her name, Bulma, um, from, from Dragon Ball, which is really great. There's Ranma, one half is on there. And Black hair Ranma, the inferior version of Ranma. It's true. <laughs> And um, there is a Sailor Moon with the ginormous Sailor Moon eyes. They're all really good and really mm. cute. <laughs> I remember when this happened and everybody lost their shit. Like this one picture here was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the MLP team basically pulled out all the stops on the last couple of seasons when it came to, to references. And this was very delightful to see. It's very fun. Alice and I, for for those of you who haven't listened to all of the old episodes, Alice and I met through a My Little Pony fan group that I created. It is true. Wow. It is that that it, an eternity ago. I I created a Facebook group for uh, it was the South Mississippi Bronies. I'm not even in South Mississippi. I was well. I was in Gulfport, so I was actually South Mississippi. You were not, but you joined the group anyway, and we became Facebook friends because of it. And a couple of years later is when I asked you to do this podcast with me. Uh, I I think that we became friends in like like 2012 or something, and then we talked about doing the podcast for the first time in 2016 we talked about it in may of 2016 and then did not record anything until october of 2016 was it that long yeah because i when i was listeners you may have seen a post on the twitter account where i i did the how it started how it's going meme (laughs) and i i clipped out the the very first conversation that alice and i had about doing an usna podcast and that was in may of 2016 and we just we were both very busy with school and 
the summer came and went and I sent one message in like September and I was like, hey, I know we haven't talked about this in a while, but I still want to do the Utena podcast. Are you still down? And then we ended up recording and releasing the first episode within the first couple of weeks of October and the rest is, as they say, history. (laughs) That's so long ago that it's like I, I, curiosity went back and, and looked through my message realized, oh, I was using a different Facebook account that's so long ago. I, yeah, I had to go back on your old Facebook account and look for the message. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so My Little Pony is very closely tied to Alice and I's uh, Usina journey, and it was it was delightful to see it referenced front and center in this scene in My Little Pony. <laughs> and there you have it. It's a little bit of our lore. Exactly. Lore unlocked. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah, Vana does that at the end of every episode of Magic Quest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goes, pew, pew. <laughs> uh, I, As I said, I was raised in the forums and I blame... <laughs> You simply came to the forums. I was raised in it, shaped by it. You you say that like it's a joke, but that is absolutely my origin story. <laughs> oh, God. The next one that we're going to talk about is uh, Sarah's Anmai, which is obviously uh, Ikuhara's most recent anime that he has made. And Ikuni cannot not reference himself <laughs> so let's um, talk about that is this the part where we sing kawa usoya together yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where while you guys are singing the japanese lyrics i very loudly sing utterly sexy on top of you. <laughs> I'm, okay i'm sorry i know it's funny but like oh i hate the english version of that song <laughs> I didn't like it at first and I came around to it. I I warmed up to it after watching after watching the whole series in English dub. I thought that like watching Yurikuma was going to make me die from embarrassment, but no, like <laughs> hearing the English version of that song really made me die from embarrassment. It's only bad the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um... I we could get used to it, but like we heard that song and me and Kath were like, no, we're going to go back to the song. <laughs> Immediately changed. It's much easier to sing. Oh, well, hold on. Do I have the... I used to have the the bit in the soundboard. Let me see if I still have it. No, I don't have it in the soundboard anymore, unfortunately. I used to yeah, have... Uh, Cow Soya <laughs> in the soundboard here. Soya! But instead, I've uh, replaced it with... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Which is relevant to this song. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh I, I only have so many so many entries in the soundboard and I have that and <laughs> I mean that's those, the most important one. Those are very important. Also this. Oh my god. I use Actually, that to torture the co hosts of my other podcast. <laughs> What were you going to say, Alice? I was like, why do you have that? And I stopped myself. I was like, oh, I, of course you have that. I like, have that to torture Teresa when we record Fresh Podcast Market. Stupid question that I'm asking. But yeah, so Sarah Zanmai has 
it has quite a few references to Utena visually. There's the scene, uh, most definitely, where Rayo is pulling uh, Mabu's heart out of his chest, and it's got like the. It's very much Utena pulling the sword out of Anthe. But then there's also like in the like part of the it's not the Shirakadama extraction scene. It's like it's when they show like the the memory part, the the leaking part. How could I forget? It's leaking. Uh, there's like a scene that has like the black silhouette body on the red background, which is yeah. uh, very much related to Utena. Uh, Chelly, have you seen all of Sarah's and my? I I have. We got to watch y'all. Y'all all joined in on my my first watch. Everyone else had finished it, and they're like, Chelly hasn't seen it yet. Oh, I remember this. Watched. Yes. Uh, yeah. I I like Sarah's and my. I feel like it is the culmination of all of what Ikuni has been trying to say for the past twenty years. I feel like he really like has distilled it into Sarah's Anmai, and I'm interested to see what direction he takes after this. With his now confirmed working on next anime. Ikuhara has confirmed that he is working on a new anime, and uh, one fear. <laughs> the only appropriate response is the one we all gave together. I, I remember when it happened, everyone was like, excited, and like, wow! but then like all of us like very dedicated Utena fans were like oh god oh no oh no <laughs> what hell will be wrought upon us he's gonna do what he should have done all along and do Utena again but this time it's a mecha anime I honest to god would watch an oh, Utena remake man. like in I mean, 2021 like I mean it's a joke, but also like it's the one thing he hasn't done yet, and and I feel like it's it's something he should do. He personally owes it to me <laughs> oh, to make no. just like I mean, Uthana already is basically a mech anime, but like this time, this time, like really one instead of just metaphorically one. <laughs> I yeah, I imagine I remember the stages of grief and excitement that we went through when uh sarah's anime was announced so i'm i'm pretty excited to go through all of this again for another series hopefully there was no announced like release date or even like teaser or anything it was literally just confirmed that ikuni is working on another series so we don't know what that means we don't know when we're gonna hear about it i hope it is within the next year or so but honestly i'm willing to wait and uh, i, I want to know though i do too I, I really do the anticipation will kill me but i imagine the longer we wait the better things will be i just want ikuhara to be restrained that's it <laughs> Like, he cannot do this stuff by himself anymore. He needs to be put in, like, one of his little bingo card cages and refuse. Like, people need to tell him, no, stop, get help constantly, and then it will be a great show. I am not, I am not ready for Ikuhara unhinged. I, we've had enough Ikuhara unhinged. Put him back. Ooh, too, Ikuhara unleashed. It's, I can't, I cannot, I, this man, this man, <laughs> when he is left to his own devices, gets in his own way, in my opinion. 
I agree. Um, but when he is like, when there's someone in the room that's like, but consider maybe not. Just like, just like dial that from the 20 that you're at to a 10. Yukahara's great. But by himself, ugh. And the fact that we mentioned a protege that exists, I fear. Like, I have more than one fear. <laughs> that person's out there thinking they can go unhinged. <laughs> uh, I feel like it is pretty fitting that for the last Utena reference, we go back to the beginning. We go back to Ikuni's, uh, Ikuni's roots, his origins, in Sailor Moon S. Oh boy. Kelly, you recently watched Sailor Moon within like the past hmm. year or so, correct? Yes. I watched it as a young villain and I stopped right as cool kid Haruka showed up and I was like, I want to be her. Um, <laughs> and I picked it back up. Well, I, I watched it in English back in the day. And uh, yeah, so I, I only just finished the show recently seeing head to tail everything. Yes. And uh, how was that experience for you? Uh, a fucking roller coaster ride. I cannot stand Horse Boy whatsoever. <laughs> I, There's I, a Horse Boy? Oh, in, no. In Sailor Moon Supers, there is, or Super S, depending on who you ask, there is a character who is both a boy and a, a Pegasus horse with mm. a, a golden horn. Oh, great. It's, it's that... <sighs> It, it's her uh, Sakura's brother's boyfriend all over again. It is like that, except not gay, which is very unfortunate. <laughs> but I am the the sole Pegasus. I don't want to say defender, but the sole Pegasus liker mm. when it comes to Sailor Moon. But I also only really like him on an aesthetic basis and don't care for the way that he is executed <sighs> in literally all of the story that he is in whether it's the anime or the manga dear listener what you do not hear and see is me squeezing my pillow so tightly <laughs> i like i like the horse design and i like the the boy with a horn design <sighs> and i think that he and Chibiusa look cute together, but the way that it is written in pretty much every version is not good. Panda, it hurt me so bad. I it was so uncomfortable. It's not good. But but let's get let's get back to the reference. The, the, well, the reverse the, reference. The important stuff about Utena and Sailor Moon is that, I mean, we've gone over this before, but just to reiterate, the original concept from Utena came from, purportedly, a, an, a pitch idea that Ikahara had for the Supers movie, and it was going to involve neptune and uranus and it was going to involve uranus saving neptune from an eternal sleep at the end of the world and from what i understand there is literally nothing other than this initial pitch idea that exists of this there was not any sort of treatment or script actually made because it just the idea did not get that far enough in development but chelly has uh given to us in this google doc a it's a like shot by shot comparison of several scenes in sailor moon s that mirror what would later be seen in utena 
including a a gif comparison of sailor neptune getting shot by i guess like a bunch of the arrows arrows mm. uh, i guess is what those are and it is very similar to anthe being impaled by the swords of hate and then there is in the scene where you see haruka and michiru uranus and neptune meet for the first time it there's some resemblance to what would later be done in the utina movie with like anthe clutching her sketchbook in a similar way to michiru and utina having like the short hair that haruka does there there's a lot of it, it's it's just it's very it's a very clear parallel like there's really no there's really no arguing yeah, and I, I feel like, I think this is an important note to make as far as like, we know that Ikuhara came from Sailor Moon and then went after to create Utima. Yes. And as I mentioned during the Dead Circus uh, episodes, that was like Ikuhara's playground. A user on Discord by the name of Chase was watching those ep- some of those episodes with me. And it was just like, oh, I've seen exactly this scene in Utina and I hadn't seen this part in Sailor Moon yet. So it was really shocking. But then to see in, in S this like yeah as in the doc here scene for scene Mm -hmm. snap by snap of like these poor couples suffering so much so much it's i think it's really powerful and i i think that is the one credit as much as i just like smacked ikuhara around like five minutes prior that is the one credit i would give him is like he captured this part of the story and was like this is too good to let go of and we really need to expand on this and the fact that this is what influenced what Utena became and the, really like ex- the, the last episode of Utena, the last two episodes of Utena, like taking those characterizations of uh, Uranus and Neptune and then applying that into the anti-Utena kind of like, uh, it's just, it's so powerful. And seeing these scenes snap next to each other, especially the super high quality gifts, thanks Tumblr. I don't know, it just makes it way more moving. Yeah, I've, I've said before that I feel like uh, Rayo and Mabu is kind of like, a logical extension of what Ikuhara probably wanted to do with Uranus and Neptune. It feels like the way that they are characterized feels very in line with the way that Ikuhara was working with Michiru and Haruka. And so I I just really enjoy like all of these parallels that Ikuhara has been trying to tell this gay love story and he keeps telling it over and over again. That's that's a good way of putting it, yeah. Yeah. Sailor Moon, I Amato, also known as Dalbun, suggested either on or off the air that we should go back and look at some of Ikuhara's lineage in Sailor Moon as like once we finish the Ikuhara anime, uh, we should go back to look at his episodes of Sailor Moon. And I think that's a very good idea, especially in the hindsight of everything that he has done since. I a hundred percent agree. I think that is an amazing idea because a- after having just come out of Sailor Moon so recently, mm-hmm. it was eye opening. It really was. It was like, okay, Ikuhara used Sailor Moon and got to really like flesh out his wings yeah. with the restrictions that I said were so important minutes ago <laughs> to flesh out this story. And then, you know, teaming up with Saito and, and the others in the cast or in the, in the staff, like really crafted such a beautiful st- telling story from Utah. So I absolutely go back, rewatch, watch specifically with the lens of like, what is Ikuhara doing here? And what is he going to do later? And I think you will, you will understand him better which is maybe a bad thing maybe don't do that i don't know 
Maybe understanding Ikahara is not not such a good idea. <laughs> it was really not such a good idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, do we do we have any other things in this doc? I'm looking. I don't think so. I think that's it. I think that we have we have covered everything. Do we have any closing thoughts? Do we have any final thoughts about all this? Utena is a powerhouse show. And if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen it, I don't understand. If anyone you know hasn't seen it, I don't understand. Um, <laughs> but it is not only, you know, draws heavily from the things that came before it with beautiful head nods and appreciation for the styles of, you know, think other shows that came before, whatever, and manga, um, and develops this beautiful story of these two women. And then that those two, well, two women and as well as many other characters. And then that story blossomed, in my opinion, the golden age of American cartoons these days, right? Of like changing the oh, norms and providing an alleyway, like providing a way for new creators to take that same story, like a fairy tale and expand on that to audiences like She-Ra, like Steven Universe, etc. So to me, Utuna is so critical. And today's podcast episode, I think, can kind of draw those lines between queer media of old, queer media new, um, and yeah. so on and so forth. So that's where I will leave it is to say all these references we went over today are great. And the fact that Utuna made such a lasting impact, specifically on Western media, not even talking about, you know, uh, anime in Japan as well. But um, it started from such a small fandom relatively to other anime, and it, it blossomed into something so beautiful, pun intended. That is like that is what makes it so awesome to me. Alice, do you have any closing thoughts? It'd probably be that Ikuhara, like a lot of artists before him and a lot of after him, is aware of himself as a part of aware of himself not just as like this isolated incident like that just happens, but as part of a long line of people have done art before you and they will do it after you. It's part of what makes him really cool and interesting and that, that he like wears that on his sleeve and he's just really, really obvious about it. And it's always really cool to see how an artist grapples with their own place in the long lineage of other humans who have also done art because art, it's how you kind of come to understand that art is a thing that is it's not just little individual masters in their in their high towers like painting Mona Lisa's. It's thousands upon thousands upon tens of thousands of humans since we were humans in, in a long conversation. And that's really cool. And I'm really glad that Ikahara and those who have come after him, influenced by him, are really open to just like wearing that on their sleeves and being kind of like open about, hey, yeah, like this is where this is coming from. Let me connect you to what came before me. I want to connect. I want to connect. (laughs) My final thought is, hell yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, I think think both of you have uh, ended this episode beautifully. Listeners. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at UtenaCast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandonata. Alice, where can people find you online? Um, They can find me at Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And Chelly, if people want to talk to you about She-Ra, where <laughs> can they do that? You can talk to me about She-Ra or how much you stand, Anthe, um, at Chelly Gel on basically any platform. Instagram, Twitter, you can find me anywhere. 
You can find Chelly's art that she has been doing since uh, the beginning of quarantine. And listeners, I highly recommend this because it has been an absolute joy to see Chelly and her like progression through art as the pandemic has gone on and watching you get better and better at drawing when you started out not very much of an artist is it is just absolutely precious and I I love it with my whole heart every time I see you post a picture I get so excited no you're so sweet thank you so much it it has been uh an absolute treasure Listeners, if you would like to support this show, you can do that on Patreon. And uh, we we could not, uh, we we would still do this without people's support, but only <laughs> the support helps. <laughs> but if you would like to support us, the Patreon link can be found pretty much anywhere you can find us on the web. If you would like to uh, to send us any questions, emails, would you like to come on the show? You can contact us on Twitter or you can do that at imagineandusna at gmail.com. We have a Tumblr where I reblog Usna fan art and maybe one day we'll get back to posting episodes on there. Uh, imagineandusna.tumblr.com. And that is it for us. So revolutionize the world, everybody. See you later. Goodbye. We're only 15 away. Yeah, if we get 15 more dollars in the Patreon, Alice gets to make me watch something. Oh, what, what, what's the choice there? I'm just torn between Girls on the Panzer and oh. making her watch Wolf's Rain with me. I would absolutely, I would be over the moon to talk about Wolf's Rain, pardon the pun, because uh, I read the Wolf's Rain manga when I was a child and it doesn't make sense without the anime and I've still not seen the anime. <laughs> the manga is a completely different story. Apparently. That's what I learned after I read it. And honestly, I'm not a good one. Not as good one. I'm going to be real. <laughs> <laughs>